Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream and podcast for Monday, January 16th, 2023. I'm Aaron Schatz, Editor-in-Chief of Football Outsiders, and I'm here with Mike Tanier. And we are here this Monday to break down five-sixths of Super Wild Card Weekend. 83 points. There's still game. <laughs> we are 83.3% of the way through it. But obviously a lot happened on Saturday and Sunday, and we're here to break it all down. Let's start by looking at uh, the current Super Bowl odds from Football Outsiders, which, of course, are going to be different from what you get in Vegas. We have certain teams a little higher, other teams a little lower, but we now have the San Francisco 49ers as our Super Bowl favorite. We have them winning the Super Bowl 27.3% of the time. And then the Buffalo Bills, 24.3% of the time. That is because Buffalo and San Francisco have taken a nice little lead and weighted DVOA. There is a nice little gap now between them and the rest of the league. Wow. Uh, then we have the Chiefs, about 18%, and the Eagles, about 17%, because they get a little boost from the bye week. Then the Bengals at 7%. They're very good, but we just have the Bills pretty high. Right. Cowboys, 2%. Giants, 2%. Jaguars, 2%. Buccaneers, 0.2%. <laughs> Tom Brady's putting that 0.2% on his bulletin board right now. Um, but I guess my question looking at the 49ers up top is, of course, this will change as of tomorrow morning. I, but how much and in what way does it – Change considerably if they face the Cowboys versus if they face the Buccaneers? It probably drops a little bit if they definitely are facing the Cowboys. Right. Because right. we have the Cowboys so much higher. The the Cowboys are sixth, no, seventh, seventh in weighted DVOA. The mm -hmm. Buccaneers are 24th. <laughs> wow. They have been uh, not trending well. Right. So baked into the 49ers right now is a possibility that they face a team that they beat, what was it, 35-7 to seven a couple weeks ago in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. So my guess is that if, if Dallas wins, that tomorrow we'll have San Francisco a little lower. A little bit lower. I am surprised the Bills got that much of a boost based on a game they played yesterday that did not look like an overwhelming victory on the field. It, it didn't, but here's the thing. A lot of what happened to the Bills yesterday mm -hmm. was stuff that is not uh, really repeatable. Uh, some, If I remember correctly, uh, they uh, the Dolphins had something like 70 yards in interception returns on two interceptions. Right. And the Bills had 10 yards in interception returns okay. on two interceptions. The Bills had 6.5 yards per play. The Dolphins only had 3.3 yards per play. When it comes to stuff that's actually predictive, the mm. Bills dominated that game. So they came out of it with a 98% post-game win expectancy and like 60% DVOA for the game. I would argue that the Bills' habit of making things harder for themselves on purpose is predictive because they seem, as I joked a little uh, creepily about, uh, they're too into it. Uh, yeah, you know, that's true, except my argument would be, don't the Chiefs have the same thing going on? 
Like I said on Twitter earlier today, everybody is talking about how the Bills narrowly beat a team with a third-string quarterback Mm -hmm. four weeks ago, which is not forever ago. That's not September, okay? Four weeks ago, the Chiefs got taken to overtime by the Houston Texans. Right. The Houston Texans. Yeah, fair as the Texans took the cab almost took the Cowboys over time. I, I'm not pretending the Texans are good. I, I think it's because the Bills do this regularly. Now the Chiefs in the past did this kind of thing regularly too. We remember the Chiefs games where it was like 50 yard play, 30 yards backwards and penalties, 50 yep. yard play, et cetera, et cetera. Just saying, it, it does seem like a concern moving forward, and that's why I'm surprised that they come out with such a bump. Although, like you said, it was a lot of big splashy, and that happened type plays. Yeah, I mean, I think that for both the Bills, and this goes for the Dallas Cowboys too, the positives outweigh the interceptions, Yeah. right? Like, yes, there are a lot of interceptions this year, but the positive play by Allen and Prescott outweighs the interceptions. It outweighs the interceptions a little bit more for Allen than it does for Prescott. But yeah. I, I guess, I mean, the Bills do seem a bit inconsistent, but I don't I guess I don't feel like they're always some kind of nightmare waiting to happen and they're always tripping over their own feet any more than any other team. They're just no team this year is really super dominant Mm -hmm. unless you kind of think of the 49ers that way. And even with the 49ers, I mean, there's always a little bit of fear Mm -hmm. of Brock Purdy. What happens if the offense can't manufacture for some reason, the kind of ridiculously open receivers that he right. had on Saturday. My God, was everybody wide open. Right. And Mike Kurtz is pointing that out. Is like, he just, I don't want to say he just dumps it off the Kittle, uh, C-Mac and Debo, but kind of, yeah, it's not always just a little throw into the flat. Sometimes they're 15 yards downfield, but there's nobody within five yards of them. Yeah. And Joel Mark says the Bengals were total trash yesterday too, which is true. <laughs> they were not great. And they're lucky that the Bills will throw 16 Hail Marys before running yes. the ball. What do you think run the ball more than you think that they have this year? I, I, I guess I'm Mr. Bills this year. I think the Bills are still the best team in the league. Mr. Bills. Um, what do you think about just the amount of deep shots the Bills take in these games when they are leading? That's okay. It's I fully admit it's a little weird how many deep shots they take when they're ahead. Yeah. Right. But the number of the number of uh, comebacks that we've seen, ridiculous comebacks that we've seen, suggest that you don't want to throttle down as much as you may be used to want to throttle down. Like, you do want to run clock, and I do think it's a problem that the Chargers couldn't run clock, but right. I think you don't want to be doing that in the second quarter or third <laughs> quarter with a lead. Like, you still need to be trying to score. And so if the Bills this should be running their offense. Right, the fourth quarter up by ten. They take up. They took at least five shots up the sideline, um, like deep, deep, deep shots. And they're throttling down. And we can talk about running. And sometimes running becomes like the straw man argument. We're talking about a more conservative game plan when you are a far superior opponent. And that's what frustrates me watching these Bills games. Is they should be able to say, yeah, not necessarily run the ball. Oh, we'll run crossing routes to Beasley or McKenzie, or we'll set up a screen game. Or we'll do a couple more zone reads. With our quarterback who can run the zone. Can run, yes. Yeah, it's the playoffs now. Like the risk factor is, is minimal. And it, it's, it just seems like they're not optimizing the advantage they have. Instead, they're thinking in terms of, well, it's Josh Allen. The best thing we can do is just keep throwing deep. 
and it just creates opportunities for the opponent. Yeah, but I mean, again, Miami needed a lot of things to go their way. Yeah. To keep in that game. I mean, yes, the, the receivers dropped a lot of passes and Skylar Thompson played better than I think anybody expected, but right. like the interceptions had to be like, you know, you know, interception returns are very random. They, they have a lot to do with like where the offensive players happen to be standing when the like, a, yeah. you know, I'm not talking about a pick six where it's like you throw that out and there's nobody yeah. in front of the guy and he just goes all the way. I'm talking about like a 30 yard pass down the field gets intercepted. And then it's like, where are the offensive players standing and mm-hmm. how well can an offensive player tackle, which tells you nothing. Nothing right. about how good an offense is, right? right? So the fact that the Dolphins had so many yards on interception returns, I don't think tells you anything about the Bills at all. I've got one other question about the rankings before we move on. Uh, we have, we're we watching an injury situation with the Bengals and Jonah Williams. That's not factored in at this point. Right? That's not factored in at this point, just because the fact is that I, I really only factor into the playoff. I mean, the ratings don't factor that in. And the playoff odds, generally, I only factor in quarterbacks and a handful of selected other really, really important players. Right. And I've never really factored in offensive linemen much, although because Jonah Williams is not a great – like if it was like uh, Tron Armstead, I might factor it in a little bit. but um, Or Trent Williams we did earlier this year. I factored that in, but only at like 1% or 2% of DVOA. Offensive linemen just don't. As good important as they are, single offensive linemen don't move the needle that much. Now, the problem for the Bengals is we're now down to three backups. Yeah, and that's right? it. It's an accretion of injuries. It's not like he's significant, but over the course of the last six weeks, an accretion. So that's of like a weak link and a yeah. weaker link and then a really weaker link. Yeah, you, you don't have a chain. You just have a couple of, couple of links. Yeah. Um, we have a sort of order we wanted to go in, but I'll just scrap that and take a couple of questions here. Let's start with Jose 21 crisis. What do you make of the Jaguars? Which half do you trust? It doesn't matter because they're going to lose the Chiefs. I mean, I mean, my answer is I trust both halves, right? right? I mean, I'm a big believer in you take all the information that you have and you synthesize it to figure out what you think of things. Right. And the fact is the first half is information and the second half is information. Right. They both happened. They're both important. By the way, so are the last 10 Jaguars games. Those are also right. important. And you have to synthesize all of that into the information that you have. And what the information that you have says about the Jaguars is this is a top 10 offense mm-hmm. and a bad defense right. and not as good as the Chiefs on either side of the ball. Right. All right, and, and that's just it. And it's also, I would consider it like a high volatility team that will mix big plays with big mistakes. We've seen that throughout the year. Okay. Uh, Lawrence av- avoided interceptions for most of the year, but he was fumble prone. So this might be an extension of that, what we saw in that game. And on the defensive side, we see a good edge rush and it one very good corner and not a lot else on their defense. And then that, that creates exploitable mismatches. So yeah, I, I take the whole thing into account as well. It just does, it seems like this is the end of the, End of the run. Uh, Flynn Haggerty says, Brock Purdy just throws the ball to guys on his team. Aren't we just talking about other contending teams where this is a problem for them? It seems like it may not be as easy as people think. Now, on one hand, I do think you have to give Purdy credit for how well he is 
managing that 49ers offense. On the other hand, uh, like let's talk about how open the guys on his team were mm-hmm. compared to like, I mean, and this is, I'm talking a good offensive coordinator here. Okay. Giants receivers. Right. Right. How open are the Niners receivers compared to the Giants receivers? And the Giants have good offensive coordination. Right. Yes. So that's part of it. And I think you're, t- I, I think Flynn is talking a little bit about Allen's interceptions, a little bit about Prescott's right. interceptions. And the fact is these guys are expected to do more. And right. Prescott is expected to do far more for his offense. Allen is expected to do probably too much for his offense. I think he could throttle down and, and eliminate the turnovers and still get some of those plays. So that's what has been unique for the years about the 49ers under the Shanahan, whether it was Garoppolo or whoever at quarterback is they have this unbelievable yak capability and it does distort the perception of the quarterback play. Uh, did we see Roger Sherman's tweet that said, Brandon Staley is just Jeff Saturday with a football outsiders premium account. Yes, I saw that. I also saw Mina Kimes's tweet that the big winner of this weekend was DVOA. I'm sorry. I'm speechless. <laughs> That's the most amazing thing. And, and like Staley has it, has the premium account, but he doesn't use it. That's the best part of that. You know, it's like he had yeah. it and he looked it over last year and then he got scared and like, eh, I'm not, I'm not going to go for it anymore. That, that's, that's, that's amazing. That's all amazing. right. And so, that as well, so yeah. again, we're going out of order here first. Okay. So first of all, speaking of great tweets by people, Mina Kimes' tweet about big weekend for DVOA. Yes. Am I not taking enough of a victory lap? Do I need to be taking more of a victory lap online about this, about the Vikings? Because I, I don't want to like, be a jerk about it. I feel like some people would be parading around everywhere, you know, with their little mustache and, you know, talking about how phenomenal it's not, it's not our style. That's not your style. Um, but what, what, what have you done? I don't know what kind of victory lap you've made. I think I all, the only victory lap I posted was, oh my God, the Vikings did not do the Vikings thing. I can't believe it. And then I said, by the way, the Vikings are now 11 and one in one possession games. That's funny. That's good. So you're doing the subtle approach. I'm doing the subtle thing. I did not, I was not like, see, look how smart DVOA is. Cause it's not like the Giants were like, first of all, it's not like the Giants were super high in DVOA. And then as the other, other people have pointed out, you know, we had Bills number one and the Bills only won by three points. So, right. Uh, but yes, I mean, I think that there's a little bit. I think that our view of the Vikings is a little bit vindicated, but everybody's view of the Vikings is a little bit vindicated. Like uh, analytics has spread far enough that everybody knew that the Vikings were fraudulent, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it, it, we just had them lower than everybody else. And so when they played another fraudulent team in the Giants, right. we were like, okay, by the way, the Giants are actually better. We picked the Giants. And right. FO Plus picks had that as the pick, was the Giants to win the game outright. Um, yeah. But I'm not taking like a huge victory lap. Uh, yeah. But it's it's a lot nicer than if the Vikings had gone on a freaking run to the Super Bowl. That would have sucked. <laughs> that would have been bad. Uh, and, and you know what? It's too, on the Vikings side of things, we're Vikings fans. And you don't argue with fans about their team when their team is winning games. You're not... That's not an argument you win. And then there was the contrarian element. And like you would try to stack things up that the Vikings did well. I don't think that was there. So so it's like winning a strong. I don't feel the need to rub this in Viking fans' face because there were very few Viking fans who came at me about this. Right. Viking fans were like, yeah, this is weird. (laughs) 
Aaron, it comes down to how comfortable your troll level is, how much trolling you want to do. Yes. You don't and I'm like just, un unlike some other folks on the internet, I'm not I'm not very high on the troll level. It's just not my style. No. Not your style. Leave the trolling to those of us who love it. Okay. Uh, people asking about um, what do you think was the worst decision this week? Mike McDaniel's inability to get plays in or Kirk Cousins checking down on fourth and eight? I want to turn this around to you. Have you seen the how the pro Kirk Cousins? Uh, Kirk Anon has like come out. Kirk Warner had a video. Uh -huh. To me, it's just, uh, I don't, Kirk has said that he thought he was going to get sacked. And, you know, look, I can't tell you what it feels like to play quarterback and have a pass rusher bearing down on you. It did not look to me like he was going to get sacked. Also, I feel like he, he, he needed to throw to Osborne. Yes. Osborne was the throw in the middle of the field on the dig route. And that Hawkinson on his choice route made the wrong choice. Okay. If Hawkinson is running a choice route, the choice route on the stick needs to be to the sticks. That needs to be the choice. Made <laughs> <laughs> right. wrong choice. Right. So that's that's bad. Hawkinson, he's a veteran player at this point. It just seems odd to do that. I thought when I was looking at that is like he's clearing underneath that, that Jefferson has more room to go and that he doesn't think he's the intended unless unless everybody drops in the zone. But that would have worked. That meant he would have been clearing underneath if Jefferson had gone in. But Jefferson right. went out. Here I am diagramming on my desk. Yes, so yes. Can see my as you can see down here. Yes. Um, not to mention this is also a podcast, so really nobody can see my hands. Um, I, I I will say this for Kirk Anon. Kirk Cousins right. is not the reason they lost that game. No. Kirk Cousins is the reason they didn't convert fourth and eight. But right. the fact that they were stuck on fourth and eight down by a touchdown is because their defense was terrible. Right. Their defense was terrible. But uh, against Kirk and I, this is a 30-some million dollar veteran quarterback. Right. This is the play. And if you throw an incompletion there or you try to scramble, that's one thing. But when you just say, I am giving it to that tight end in the flat six yards away, that is such a distillation of the Kirk. Who has McKinney right on him. We had a defender right on him. We're like fourth and eight with the playoffs on the line at age 33 after so many years in the league. That's what you do. It's a distillation of the Kirk Cousins experience and everything we say that's bad about him. That's a Mike McDaniel calling timeouts at the end of that game and then calling what looked like he was reading a five. He says he thought they had gotten a first down, and that's why he was so late to get in a play on fourth and one. Okay, well, that's. Then, then he was about to call a first down play on fourth and one. Yeah. That's completely so, clueless. I don't know how that – I don't know where, where wires got crossed there that he thought that they had converted, but they did not convert. Okay. And it must, uh, he must have then tried to change the play suddenly, which is why there was two, still two seconds yeah. left. Yeah, apparently that's the case. And he's in this situation because he's calling timeouts because, again, it's like a college basketball game at the end. Oh, my inbound pass isn't going to work here. Let me call a timeout to get a perfect play in. You don't have the luxury of using your third timeout in that situation. Yep, I agree. Down by a field goal. That that's the that would have been the get the field goal unit on. They would have lost the game not getting the field goal unit out there to tie theoretically if he doesn't make that long play call. So it it's mine. But I mean, again, I don't want to talk too much about the Dolphins because I have no idea what kind of black hole of chaos we're about to get into if Stephen Ross decides he's got to bug up bug up his butt for Tom Brady or whatever. But just a weird weird way to end the season for them. Uh, all right, let's talk about angry 
uh, owners then, Spanos, yes. the Chargers. Spanos. Who takes the fall for the Chargers meltdown? I don't know if you saw the long thread, uh, and I cannot remember the name of the reporter who posted it, mm -hmm. but it's someone who knows the Chargers situation well, and he said he does not think the Chargers would go after Sean Payton. Okay. They don't want to spend the money, and they don't want to spend the draft picks that they would have to send to New Orleans. Uh-huh. And that um he doesn't think Staley would be fired. I don't think Staley would be fired. I agree. That organization never wants to spend the money. Jim Trotter. Would, yes, it was Trotter. Trotter. Was yeah, yeah. So I, I agree. I don't think yeah, I don't think they want Peyton. I think we're gonna see a sacrificial yeeting of Joe Lombardi, and there will be much rejoicing across Twitter when that happens. Um, but I think Staley should be accountable. For the last three weeks, for the last two weeks, however you want to play it, starting with leaving Mike Williams out there to get injured, which snowballs into what happened this weekend. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. I, and, you know, you're, you're talking to somebody who a year ago was one of Brandon Staley's biggest fans and was defending some of the things that he did in, against the Raiders in the last game of the regular season last year. And uh, he this year has just been – uh, really mismanaged. Like, even though he made the playoffs this year and didn't make it last year, like, and I don't want to blame him for the injuries that they had during the regular season. Right. Um, the weird, like, disappearance of his aggressiveness, and then it comes back occasionally, and then it goes away again, and then also the playing the starters. It's tough because you don't want to blame him. Why would you blame him for playing the starters in Week 18 and not blame Todd Bowles for playing his starters in Week 18? But some of that is how much he played his starters, yeah. right? Todd Bowles was like, okay, everybody get a quarter or two to get stay in rhythm and then get out. Right, right. And again, Bowles has Tom Brady declaring he needs – I mean, that's what yes. happens. Tom I'm Brady says, players. I'm playing, and then I'm the coach playing. has no choice. Yes. Right, right. To Justin Herbert, you say, no, you're not playing and because we need to get these guys out of there, and you rest them because he's not Tom Brady. Um, and again, you're right. Staley kept them in there longer. And it goes – like even during the season, a couple of guys are bringing this up. When Herbert got injured and he kept playing him through that, yeah. I think a lot of that six and six, that early part of the season when they were not doing – well, Herbert had nobody to throw to, and he, and he was – had the rib injury, like sit him down for that for one of those games. You know, you, you might have to take an L in one of those games. You might get two wins back on the other side. Hitchhiker's Pie says points out the Bucks left guard Leverett was injured That's, in that last yes. game, and now they have a more subpar left guard play in Gadecki. So maybe Bowles should get some flag. That's fine. I don't think that the Buccaneers were tremendously well coached this year. Yeah, but I don't, think, left which blue, I don't blue. think they're replacing Bowles after one year, but Staley yeah. after two. And I think there's so much frustration about that offensive scheme mm -hmm. and Herbert, something, somebody has to go. Right. Yeah, And like, I think Lombardi gets sort of over criticized because we, you know, we have to pump Herbert up. So we put it, but Lombardi's been bad. The, the horizontality yeah. of that. And again, I don't want to take it all the way up to a Kyle Shanahan level here, but these guys should be able to get open in space for a yak, and they rarely get that opportunity. Yeah. Um, it, someone said about Harbaugh's – Jose, oh, Jose Crisis says Harbaugh's end-of-game management should also be criticized. It, I mean – And, uh, I, you know, I, 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 I think some of that is just when you have a backup quarterback, you, yeah. you can't really run the hurry up the way you want to. Right. Right. That's definitely part of it. And that game was chaos. 
Um, but yeah, as, as Flynn was talking about, remember if I was bringing this up, Stephen Ross was a Michigan guy. He's got a he's got a hankering for a Harbaugh, and it, it won't be John; it'll be Jim. And Jim Harbaugh assured everyone that he thinks he'll be in Michigan next year, Michigan. and apparently has been having conversations behind the scenes. Um, what is the Ravens? Speaking of John Harbaugh, what does the Ravens' offseason look like? And what do you think about J.K. Dobbins criticizing Greg Roman's play calling and then kind of taking it back this morning? Right, 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 right. I'm popping the balloon inside. I'm on a Greg Roman watch. He's another guy who, like, people for years have said this offense, this inability to create opportunities for the wide receivers, working the middle, doing anything but, like, a screen and bomb situation. I think it's all true. I think Roman's offense reaches a certain point and it peaks, and it's not even as interesting and creative as it was in the early Lamar Jackson era, even when Lamar's happy. Uh, healthy, I should say. Happy, healthy, both of them. I, I've got to admit, look, I was a believer that Lamar Jackson was going to be in there in the long term, that yes. I think that they can work out a contract deal with him, mm-hmm. that he will give up on his desire for fully guaranteed contract because nobody is nobody is going to give that to him. Yes. And that they would work something out. It probably would start with them having to franchise tag him. But now, after last night, I'm not so sure because – it's unless concerned with the fact that he didn't travel with the team and more concerned with the fact that people that are close to the Ravens situation, like Jason Locke and Fora, mm-hmm. are now coming out and saying, yeah, this relationship is toast. Like Jason Locke and Fora is close with the Ravens folks. And he was like, yeah, Lamar Jackson will be playing in the NFC South. next year." At this point, I'm, I believe that more than I would have like 48 hours ago. You've got Lamar Jackson on Instagram writing glurges and poetry about how, you know, if you if you have something special, you nurture him. You know, he's writing psalms, et cetera. Instead of like coming out and like having these real conversations, you're seeing things like Tyler Huntley make grunting little remarks about Lamar and then them getting scrubbed off of the the official transcript. There's all the makings of just behind the scenes drama. That said, the Ravens saying free agency goodbye Lamar like that is never going to happen it's a huge step so what no, you're it would be a tag it would be a tag and trade right. it's the tag tag yeah tag and trade or tag and get in here and, and, and I still believe it's salvageable it's a tag and get in here and let's see what's really going on but Jackson's gonna be in a it's a, just a strange situation for Jackson right now because I mean you got Michael Vick criticizing him yeah and then robert griffin said the opposite robert griffin was like i played with an injury and look what happened to me right right it's hard to make sense it's hard to say this isn't a big drama because both sides are acting like it's a big drama yeah yeah bu vandal says i don't blame the ravens on this jackson is great but he could go so many directions based on injuries and his reliance on his legs and this is what I wrote about in September. Like I wrote, I wrote literally what happens if he has a season that ends with a lingering ankle injury that raises questions. I wrote this in September. This is my victory lap. Right. You know, you get, you wind up in this situation. So betting on himself. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what a sign and trade deal looks like. Yeah. No and I don't know what the price tag would be. Joel Marks asks, yeah. what would be the price tag for Jackson? It's, it would have to, I mean, it would be similar to Deshaun Watson. I because right. you have to give up a lot for the rights to him, and then you have to sign him to a big deal. So you're talking right. about a similar trade package to the one that Cleveland gave up 
uh, to get Deshaun Watson. And for a guy who has officially on the record had a lingering ankle injury that kept him out of a playoff game that originally had a two to three week timeline where there are questions and whispers about whether some of this was a business decision. A lot of owners are going to go through that whole rigmarole and be like, no, thank you. I also think if they do trade Lamar Jackson, then you really get rid of Greg Roman because there's no reason to have Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator. If you have a standard quarterback. Right. Right. Then you move on there. Maybe that is a package set of what goes on here. But then what do the Ravens do a quarterback? There's not like this easy solution for this. I don't think Watson was better than Jackson when healthy. Yeah. Sneaker man says Watson is better than Jackson. I think there is an argument to be made that Jackson is better than Watson. And of course, Jackson did not, does not, he has what he has is injury issues, which is a different issue than Watson's off field issues. So it's not completely comparable. Right. Right. Joel Mark says, if you are the Lions, would you send two firsts, a second, and Jared Goff for La- for Lamar Jackson? No. No. Maybe? No. You would have to dramatically change what your offense is to fit Lamar Jackson. You've just taken away you your opportunity. You have to sign him to a big contract. You have, to sign- you have taken away your opportunity to upgrade your defense completely. Yeah, okay. I agree with that. Right. And um, so that, yeah, that, that's I think that's too much. And I think the Lions looking at what they're looking at right now would say that's too much. And the other thing, especially because if you're the Lions, you could just draft a quarterback. Yes. They have a high enough pick that they could draft Anthony Richardson or Levis. Exactly. Oh, God. Uh, the right Ravens also, by the way, I'll point out, have a lot of defensive free agents. Marcus Peters is a free agent. Right. Kyle Fuller is a free agent. Jason Pierre-Paul and Justin Houston were just on one-year deals. So they're edge mm-hmm. rushers. You know, they've got young edge rushers, but the veterans are free agents. So there's going to be some turnover on that defense. Blow everything up. Rebuild. John Harbaugh resigns. Goes to Miami. I have no idea. I'm just making stuff no, up. No, I don't think that'll happen. <laughs> uh, speaking of blowing up, what do the Vikings do this offseason? What happens they- with them? They don't blow things up, but golly, I would love to see it. Um, and, and I think I talked about this in walkthrough. The way they're built, I think they're like ten million over the cap right now. Twenty, twenty million think, over the cap. Yeah. They'll move. They'll move money around as they so often do. They'll say goodbye to a couple of their linebackers who are older and need to move on. Yeah, Kendricks. They can save nine point five mil. He's Jordan Hicks five mil, and Zadarius Smith, who's still really good. You can right. save thirteen point five million if you cut if you cut it. You might be able to re. I don't. I don't have it in front of me. You might, you might be, be able, able to restructure, restructure right? Restructure that one and keep him. But like, I think they're going to try to run this back. The problem is when you try to run this season back, and you get a little less luck in one score games, and you get your first place schedule, you're a six win team. Yeah. That's my opinion. So yeah, I mean, not to mention, you know, what happens to them if Justin Jefferson gets hurt. That's true, and they got a they've got a budget now to give him the contract because yeah. he's going to get the the wide receiver contract, whatever the next wide receiver contract looks like. He's going to get that. So I don't want to I don't want to wish an injury on the young man at all. But like they're going to have to budget for that, and that's going to affect these things like Zadarius Smith. For years, the trick was extend Cousins, extend Cousins, extend Cousins. I don't know if they can keep extending at this point. They'll probably just status quo with him, but status quo. Kirk Cousins, we just saw that yesterday afternoon. Uh, were the Seahawks the only winners among the wild card losers? Yeah, I, that, you know, we put that on the outline because it's like, 
you can look at like there's there is pessimism in Baltimore. There is pessimism, I, I would imagine, in Minnesota right now. There's got to be optimism in Seattle, right? Yeah, I mean, Geno Smith, they have to resign him and bring him back or draft a quarterback or both. Yes, they can do both. And that's what's the most amazing thing about this. They could get Will Richardson or Stroud or Young, the three actually good first of the four good first round <laughs> prospects. So they won't or, be able to get or if they want to, Levis, who you don't like. No, I don't. I don't like Levis because he's bad. Uh, but they could get him if they if they think otherwise. I'm not. I am not taking the bait. This is going to be four I, months. I will. I will give just a quick early Cubase preview. Okay. Oh God. Let's do it. Cubase was is surprisingly mediocre feeling about Stroud and Young All right. because they have so much talent around them. If, uh, oh yeah. Because they have so much talent around them, and they didn't blow – despite having all that talent around them, they did not blow numbers away. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like Richardson a lot. I don't know if we have anything on He does yet. not like Richardson at all. Mostly because he, he, he only has one year. You're setting He's me up – a developmental project. He's a developmental project. You're setting me up that it loves Levis. No, I'm not. Okay, good. No, I'm not setting you up that it loves Levis. <laughs> but – the Seahawks can make all these Stroud, Stroud and Young. There's surprisingly less room between Stroud and Young and Levis uh, than you okay. think there should be. Interesting. Interesting. But it well, doesn't love it doesn't love Levis. Levis is third. Does it love somebody? No. Okay. If it loves somebody, it doesn't to love somebody. anybody. Doesn't love okay. anybody. Good, good. That, that leaves us free to like uh to to angrily troll against certain prospects i mean i still think you take quarterbacks high it doesn't matter what cube says you got to take the shot right um well the the main thing it says is richardson's i think the main thing it says is stroud and young you have to consider the talent around them that's and that richardson is that's a project. fair that's fair which i think is fair uh, mark um, uh, shall I, I would mark i would say i don't know who's at 20 right now it sounds like a pipe dream but i don't know because last year Malik Willis this time had buzz, and Malik Willis is probably not. I wonder if 20 is Seattle's other pick. Is that Seattle's second pick? That's Seattle's other pick because that would be – That would be a dream scenario for Seattle to be able to take – for Seattle to be able to take a a quarterback with the second pick rather than the first pick, yeah. That would would be great. Then maybe that's a gambit they can play. They can re-sign Geno, get a top defensive player – at the beginning, and then like sit and watch. Their defense needs work. Their yeah. pass rush needs work. They need an actual like scary young yeah. edge rusher, um, and among other things. Yeah. Um, who are you more worried about after Sunday's close calls, the Bills or the Bengals? Bengals, and we talked about this earlier in the uh, podcast because of the Jonah Williams injury on top of the Lel Collins injury. I forget which of the guards is hurt, but it's another guard and the right guard. I don't. Re- it's ca- is it? Yeah, I don't remember which Kappa, guy. Is the right Kappa. Guard. I, see, yeah, I made my own person. Kappa and Karras. I made a, a person. Karras is the center. He's not. Hurt. The but I don't remember who is the right guard. But whoever is the right guard uh, is. Uh, I think it's Kappa. Yeah, because Volson. Volson is not hurt. That's the left guard. Volson's not hurt. And the, uh, you know, they did the right thing. They kept a lot of the backup, the, the former starters, the longtime starters as backups, so you had continuity. But then when I see these names coming in, the you're like, oh, God, Jackson, oh. Carbon, and Hakeem, and Denege. God, don't, please don't do this to me. No. And look, I know Von Miller is hurt and Von Miller is special, but they still have, the Bills still have Gregory Rousseau. 
mm-hmm. and Basham and Espinoza, like they still have a good edge rush. Right. They have a good edge rush. They get pressure up the middle. They're they're they blitz judiciously. You see opportunities where they when they're blitzes, they do get home. And we've seen that in the last couple of weeks. They needed their pass rush yesterday because they manufactured problems for themselves with turnovers, and their pass rush kept consistently coming through. I think the same thing happened to a degree in week 18. I'm I, I'm worried about the Bengals not being able to protect Joe Barrow in that game. Yeah. Um, I wonder, maybe I'll see if uh, Kevin Cole wants to come on Thursday's show and talk about his new quarterback system that tries to adjust for the quality of receivers and the quality of drops and a bunch of stuff. Because right. it interestingly has Burrow only eighth or ninth this year because his receivers are so good. Which tracks. It's Jamar Chase and company. And yeah, th- there were a couple of times last night where it's just Chase running the guy off and coming back. Yep. And, and Tyreek did the same thing. Like, like they're desperate to preside run, to create some offense, run your guy off and come back and get eight yards, nine yards, 10 yards. Only a handful of players can do that. Hill, Jefferson, Chase, when you've got them, it is, it's a, it's a major factor. Um, we wrote on the outline here, make our best argument for why the Jaguars can beat the Chiefs. I can't make one, honestly. Honestly, the Jaguars, uh, it would it would be just bounces of the ball and special teams. And, I mean, the fact is the Chiefs are better than the Jags in every other way than special teams. And, and they haven't played a below-average offensive game since week nine. Wow. Yeah. In the old days, I would have done that self-destructive, oh, we're going to run the most complicated play of, at the goal line uh, as the Chiefs, and we're going to make a mistake. You see less and less of that from the Chiefs this year. They're more consistent. on all. I mean, I think if the Jaguars win, you know, you're talking about random variation and a shootout. Yeah. The Chiefs' defense has improved over the course of the year, but you're talking about the Chiefs' defense just playing – just just the, the Jaguars just lacerating them and then a big shootout and the Jaguars pull it out. But right. it's, it just seems very unlikely. Right. That's probably it. If, if you get that 5% critical hit chance, it is that this was a 38 to 35 barn burner. And so the batted passes makes a difference. Toe to toe, normal situations, 19, 19 times out of 20, it's a Chiefs win. Make your best argument for the Giants beating the Eagles. Ah, uh, not as not as grim, I don't think. No, to me, first of all, the best argument is Jalen Hurts is not 100% healthy. Okay. That's, like that's, that, that's a reasonable that's a reasonable possibility. They only had 5.1 yards per play in week 18 against mm-hmm. a lot of Giants backups, even on I defense, guess. right? Like that was not a great performance by the Eagles against the Giants backups in that right. game. Yes, like six weeks ago or something, they clobbered the Giants. But when they played two weeks ago, they did not clobber the Giants. So um, I think the the Giants – it hurts is not at 100%. Mm. And the Giants' offense gets guys open, even against the quality Eagles corners, I think Mm. is is a – it's doable. It seems more doable than the Jaguars against the Chiefs. Yeah, not as a diss on the Eagles, more as a it just like I can see ways in which the Giants can can attack them. But I I, I mean, I still think the Eagles are pretty, pretty clearly. Right. Favorite. 
the week 18 was odd because yes, the giants had almost all backups on the field and the Eagles needed to win the game. And yet the Eagles seemed like they were running a five play game plan. If you, if you watch it, it was, it was almost like they were anticipating a, a rematch coming and they weren't opening things up as much. Some well, of that might they read DVOA and expected that the Vikings would lose. <laughs> that's it. That's it. They've got a subscription too. That's what happened to Brandon Staley's subscription. He gave them the password for it. Um, that said, I mean, the one thing is late in the second half of the season, the Eagles have been more turnover, have committed more turnovers and have forced fewer turnovers. Hurts, again, you know, the, the Hurts likes to throw the YOLO ball. They like to throw the YOLO ball. That's been a few interceptions in the second half of the season. You do have Eagles receivers who fumble sometimes after the play. A.J. Brown will fumble trying to get that extra yard. Quez Watkins will fumble. There's been a couple things like that. It's it's a simply a turnover situation. And that's like that's the default argument for any time a you know there's a heavy favorite. Yeah, I mean, the thing is the Giants defense is bad, right? The best part of the Giants defense is, is the interior defensive line. And right. the Eagles have the best offensive line in the game. In the game. And they're built between the zone read plays and the RPOs to kind of neutralize a lot of that advantage and yeah they can they can control the interior pass rush they can control uh, Lawrence and Williams and everybody so it seems like a pretty strong matchup for the Eagles and yeah Giants Vikings both of those defenses were just bad yesterday they looked all I mean they're bad by our numbers and they looked worse I think Bill Barnwell someone said to him you don't really believe DVOA that the Vikings are the sixth worst team in the league and he said, it looks like the Vikings have the 10th best offense and the 40th best defense. <laughs> <laughs> that averages out to 25. <laughs> That's about right. right. Let's finish up by talking about tonight a little bit more. We did a little bit of a preview of this on the Thursday show, but we should talk some more tonight about Monday night with the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay, of course, won 19-3 in week one. Mm-hmm. Both of these teams have declined in recent weeks, but Dallas has declined much less. Than right. Tampa Bay has declined. Tampa Bay's pass defense has gone from sixth in weeks one to nine to 28th in weeks 10 to 18. Yuck. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And some of that was against Brock Purdy. Yes. And they would so have to face again if they win this game. And so, right, right. And some of that was against Sam Darnold. Um, and I guess some of it was against Joe Barrow, et cetera. Some of it, uh, yeah, it was against um, the uh, the Taysom Hill at Andy Dalton experience. So yeah. it's this for me, it's all about sending the, the, the serial numbers off of these teams and say, this is not a Tom Brady team that therefore has like all these assets versus a Cowboys team that's guaranteed to collapse because. The the narrative because of they wear the star on their helmets and Jerry Jones is their owner. Like I yes. right. And when you take that away, you have a team with a, a great pass rush, although it's declined lately, and you know, a very, very good quarterback who has a couple of guys to throw to and have been able to score points against everybody, against this other team that their offense is a rock that looks like it's something from 74. The Cowboys offense, based on DVOA, the Cowboys offense has only been a little bit better than the Tampa Bay passing offense. Okay. But the Tampa Bay running game sucks so right. bad. So, so what's going on in part with DVOA is that DVOA is a judging Tampa Bay based on similar situations. Okay. And Tampa Bay is always in second and long and third and long. Right. Because their running game sucks so bad. 
Right. So what it's saying, what, ta- what what DVOA is saying is, compared to how an average team does in third and long, mm-hmm. Tampa Bay is slightly better than right. the average team. Right. It's just they're always in third and long. Their running game is so bad. And then the right. other thing is, Tampa Bay, for all the good players they have on their defense, that Dallas defense has been better than Tampa Bay all year. Mm-hmm. And the Dallas defense has declined in the second half less than the Tampa Last Bay time. defense has declined. Right. Oh, and by the way, the Cowboys also have a huge advantage in special teams. Interesting. They were 10th in special teams, Tampa Bay 31st. I have no concept of the Buccaneers special teams. I just realized They that. sucked this year. <laughs> yeah, the big differences are field goals and Dallas when Dallas kicks off and then uh, punt returns for Dallas were good this year. Interesting. Yeah, I can't I can't stack up anything for the Buccaneers except Brady Magic. I mean, that's really where we're yeah. at. And Brady Magic seems to be a thing that works against the Cardinals, you know, this year. It so, really, it really, it really okay. The thing that the numbers say is, and I'm gonna say this again, Tampa needs to not run the ball on first down. Don't run the ball on first down. They will. First down, Tampa's offense, sixth passing, 30th running. Dallas's defense, Dallas's defense, 20th against the pass, sixth against the run. It is so set up for the Tampa to not to almost always pass on first down. I mean, not always, right? You can't, you it's never always. You always have to be in. But oh my God, do not just keep running Leonard Fournette into the line for two yards over and over again. Just don't do it. <laughs> and yet it will happen. Yes, Brady will. Magic is your only way to win. Put it in Brady's hands. Brady Magic. Like that is your way. You've got that is the way. You got to do that. Right. Because again, I think the logic is, yeah, we're going to keep him out of problems where he's going to face the pass rush. No, you're not. You're putting him in second and nine. He's facing the pass rush. You're putting him in third and eight. He's facing the pass rush. Give him first and ten. That's probably your best chance to not face a pass rush. Um, just looking over the props, I, I don't care. They're not that interesting. Uh, it's it's uh, Cowboys minus two and a half. Am I right? Yes. Uh, Cowboys, Cowboys it's up to uh, – yes, it's minus two and a half. Yes. I would take the Cowboys. Absolutely. Cowboys. Minus two and a half. Take the Cowboys. Take the Cowboys. I have no sense of the over under. Uh, 45.5. Our system takes the over, and overs have won all five, uh, all five wild card games so far. Yes, it was a it was a overfest. Uh, eh, I t- probably take the over too, but I'm definitely I'm definitely heading towards the Cowboys, especially laying less of the field. Here's one more stat. Ready? Dallas's yeah. offense in late and close situations. So anything in the second half within a touchdown. Second, second in the league. Oh, good. Buccaneers defense in late and close situations. Thirty first. That's stunning. Considering they kept about, giving away leads that then Tom Brady had to come back and had to come back on. But, beat but, Tom the, Brady. but the Cowboys defense is set to prevent the fourth quarter. Oh, we're leading by 10. Here comes the catastrophe. The Cowboys defense is set to stop that. I mean, I think that they are. So yeah, yeah. well, I mean, that, that's what the late and close was, right? I, well, no, that was offense. That was the, oh, the that Cowboys was offense. offense is second. So oh, that okay. the Cowboys, the Cowboys, if the cow, if it's late and close, the Cowboys offense against the Bucks defense is right. way in favor of Cowboys offense. They can get a bucket if they need to get a bucket late in the game. They're going to yeah. get the bucket. Yep. All right. So, big play, Dak. I guess. Big play, Dak. You get the Cowboys. They get in there. 
They beat Brian it's not, it's not. We're talking like it's unrealistic for Tampa Bay to win. It's not. Tampa Bay has home field advantage. They have Brady. There's the possibility yes. Dak makes mistakes. Like right. two and a half is not a ridiculous line. I think it's too right. low. I'd make it more like four. But still, right. I mean, we're, you know, there's a 30, saying, 35% chance that Tampa Bay wins. Yeah, we're, we're saying we feel an edge. Yes. That's pretty strong for the Cowboys, and we're and we're rolling with it. Yeah, that's yes. That so I mean, and uh, and hey, that would set up. Look, either uh, Tom Brady goes home, or Cowboys 49ers. Yeah, a whole fun. chance to relive the history of Cowboys 49ers. So yes, yes, we have Brian needs thirty thousand words. He needs Brian Knowles needs like thirty thousand words on the history of the Cowboys and the 49ers. Right. off the top of his head because it's <laughs> Brian and it's the 49ers. But yeah. All right. Want to remind everybody uh, that we're in the playoffs. And so uh, we've uh, finished one round. So total playoffs, best ball is out, but you can still play all kinds of weekly fantasy contests with our sponsors at underdogfantasy.com, especially pick them games where you just pick a player's chances to go higher or lower than projected stat lines, even in states where traditional prop betting is not available. Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site around join the fun at underdogfantasy.com or download underdog in your app store and please use promo code outsiders to double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars and let them know we sent you (laughs) all right that does it for today's show uh wednesday uh Jackson and Kale will be here with the news show talking about the coaching carousel, 1 p.m. Eastern. And then Mike and I will be back Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern to preview Super Divisional Weekend. <laughs> super. Everything is super these days. It's going to be super now. Super size me. Super, super Divisional Weekend. Super Pro Bowl uh, skills competition. Ultra week, ultra, ultra Super Bowl, ultra super divisional weekend. <laughs> Until then, everybody, thanks for reading Football Outsiders. Please subscribe to the show down below on YouTube or Twitch or your favorite podcast app. Please listen to our other shows. We will see you on the Football Outsiders Discord. We will see you on the Football Outsiders discussion threads. Have a good couple of days, everybody. 